You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding, the ones who want an inside look at the vault, this is Views from Midstream. Now, Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the midweek edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast. Your home for all the Carolina Panther talk that you can stand, which judging by some message boards right now is not all that much. But hey, man, we love our NFL. We love our NFL squad. We love the cats. We are going to keep going Thick and thin, baby. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina. And, of course, is joining me, as always, my co-host on this particular feature, the great one, Lonzo Reitzel, coming to you from the compound. And I want to start this one, Zoe, uh, by just taking a little bit of a look back with perspective in the rearview mirror. We are now through week four, sitting at one and three. We are, shockingly enough, just a game back of the leaders in the NFC South. And while I understand that a lot of Panthers fans so far, especially on our show, when we have brought up the fact that, hey, you go back and you change up the refs absolutely jobbing us against Cleveland, and we're 2-2, and and leaders in a three-way tie at the top of the NFC South. You go back. And you take the Giants win off the table, a a remarkable 61-plus yard field goal. We are 2-2. and If you take the refs jobbing us and New York getting a miracle finish, we would be 3-1. and We are that close to being at the top of the NFC South because Tampa Bay is not as good as we thought they were going to be. The Atlanta Falcons, let's be real, are shockingly good from what we thought they were going to be. but. They are still the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to find the roadblock at some point. And the New Orleans Saints are garbage right now. The good news for us is that the division is not as good as we thought it was going to be. So the door remains technically open, which means that technically speaking, if we can figure out what the hell's going wrong, we could still walk through it because even at one and three, we are not out of the picture at this point. Uh, I'm looking, Zoe, because you got upset with my negativity back on Monday. I am looking for the positive, and this is the one I found. Hey, I, I am so glad this is where you went because if you look at you look at social media, you look everywhere, everyone is, well, not everyone, but the, the loudest voices are fire this person, fire this person, get rid of this person. I wish this person was still there. I wish they'd bring this person back. Um, they Keep pounding is a mantra. It, it doesn't mean keep pounding on, uh, you know, the people that you want gone. Keep pounding on your chest saying, listen to me, I know what I'm doing. Keep pounding means you keep moving on. And you're right, one game out. That's it, just one game out. We're only four games in. We're a fourth of the way through the season. There's still plenty of games to play. And a uh, couple things went a different way. You're right, we would be uh, be in first place. Not right now, but 
I, I just, I, I mean, come on, lighten up, people. It's not like it's, it's not like we're almost done with the season and this is happening. I mean, it's not like you can't see bright lights where you're looking. You can't see. You, so those people who want everybody gone, are they looking at Frankie Luvu and how he's playing? Are they looking at how the offensive line is starting to gel some? Are they looking at the the positivity of the defense for almost every game except for like the second half of this last game because they were just tired? You get tired when you're out there for you know almost the entire game. Yeah, the offense needs work, but it's not the end of the world. It's going to be all right. All right. Now that I've got all that gross positivity out of the way, let's get to the reality of the situation. Did you say gross? Because Did you say gross? So positivity yeah, all that gross, is gross positivity out of the way. Let's, you need, let's, let's, you need let's to, to reach inside and, and find your inner new day. The power of positivity, man. I would love some. I would love to have some of what you're having. But I am a realist. I face reality. And the reality right now is U-G-L-Y. We ain't got no alibi. It's ugly. Yeah, yeah, it's ugly. Uh, let's uh, Let's look back very briefly at this Arizona game with a little bit of perspective between us and it. Uh, let's start for the sake of Lonzo's sanity dealing with me with the positives because there are a few. The defense is exceptional. Frankie Louvu is stepping up and becoming a star. In fact, I was, I was watching Philly's last game and I was watching Hassan Reddick because Hassan Reddick is well on his way to a campaign for defensive player of the year. The guy's lights out. And I'm like, ah, what if we found a way to keep that guy? But Frankie Lubo is stepping in and filling that role and giving us a little bit of life. Uh, Brian Burns is doing Brian Burns things right now. Uh, Brown, a guy that I absolutely dumped on at the beginning of the season, has been very good. The defensive backs have been very, very good. The defense is the bright spot, and I will add to that because you mentioned the offensive line. How about Icky? Icky's average PFF weekly grade in weeks one and two was grading out to a 45.3. Now, remember, PFF grades are not the only thing that I go by when I'm analyzing this stuff, but they are a piece of the puzzle. They are a piece of information that I do utilize. Weeks one and two, 45.3 weekly grade for Icky Aquanu. Weeks three and four, his average grade the last two weeks has risen almost 20 full points up to 64.2 per week. He is getting significantly better. As he has gotten significantly better, the offensive line has gotten better. The reason I bring that up is because I think in weeks one and two, Baker against Cleveland, Baker against the Giants, was spending a not insignificant amount of time having to be concerned about pressure, having to be concerned about getting hit, having to be concerned that the offense was running him into the teeth of the beast. And with Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, I mean that pretty much literally. Since then, the offensive line grades have gone up dramatic dramatically. The left tackles grades have risen, as I mentioned, almost 20 full points at this point. The offensive line has been markedly 
demonstrably better over the past two weeks. And if that continues, you would like to think that there is a point where Baker settles down a little bit, where the happy feet settle down a little bit, where he stops running out of protection and into trouble because he just assumes there's going to be trouble he needs to run away from. And if that allows him to settle down, to take that extra half a second to wait for the defensive tackle or, or lie or end to shift out of the passing lane, to clear up that passing lane. Maybe we don't have three more batted balls than any other team in the national football league. I am hoping that this bright spot is being circled that this ever-increasing PFF grade, both from icking the entire offensive line, will allow Baker to settle down and settle in a little bit and then be the quarterback that we saw him at Cleveland and not the quarterback he has been in Charlotte. Well, you know, something else that would help him settle down a little bit, just uh, just, just a little thing, uh, it's uh, – handing the ball off to a certain running back, um, wearing a shirt of the number, you know, 22 right now of that, of that certain running back that Christian McCaffrey guy, if uh, he were to hand the ball off to that guy a little bit often, uh, more often with that awesome offensive line or the offensive line has the potential to be awesome. That's getting better every week. If he's able to handle the hand the ball off a little bit more because of better play calling, then possibly that will settle him down even more because there's nothing like having a third and three, a third and two, because your awesome running back is picking up four, five, six yards of carry. So, yeah, I mean, yes, let's start with the yes. That is correct. 13 runs in a game total is unacceptable. I've given you my thoughts. We've both given you our thoughts on Christian McCaffrey and the number of times he should be utilized. I've said probably 15 to 18 runs and then seven to 10 catches is about the limit that I want. I want him out there for more as the decoy. We don't need to go into that already. We've spoken that a hundred times so far. And by the way, I just want to say real quick, I'm contractually obligated to mention Christian McCaffrey at least three to four times per podcast. Yes, you probably don't have you don't have that in your contract, but I, I have that in mine. I'm, I did I'm not saying. get that uh, that that particular clause uh, in my contract, so so I will let you continue to bang that drum, metaphorically speaking. But you are correct. I would like to see that happen more often. But let's go back to Cleveland. Let's go back to New York. Let's go back to New Orleans. McCaffrey was given the ball. He was get what do you go back to back 100 plus yard games. Exactly what we'd love to see. I don't know why the game plan was so dramatically different against Arizona. I mean, it, it, listen, it's not like, I mean, Arizona's got JJ Watt up there. I understand that, but it's not like Arizona's defensive line is so much dramatically better than New Orleans or New York's that I, I would have thought you'd have changed the entire game plan. Like it's, it's one thing if you come into a game against a team with a really bad defensive line, and so you maybe run the ball 10, 12, 15% more than you run in an average game, or you come up against a team that's got a really aggressive front seven that loves to pass rush, so you run it 10, or, or vice versa, right? You come up against a team that has no pass rush, so you throw it 10 to 15. This is not like 
a shifted game plan because Arizona's defense was especially strong or especially weak in any one category. This was throwing the playbook out of the window and writing a whole new one. And while I, I, I am with you in putting that on Ben McAdoo, and I'm fine with that, right? Like Ben McAdoo is here because he had some level of, of success as a coordinator in New York before he had an absolute abysmal showing as a head coach. That is part of it. But the other part of it is, why would a tenured, why would a successful offensive coordinator come to Carolina after what happened to Joe Brady last year, which gives us Ben McAdoo as the best option we had and leads us to this situation. All of that to say that if you're Matt Rule over on the sideline with your little play sheet and you're looking down at it and you look up and you're in the third quarter and you see that you've run the ball six times, at some point you've got to call up to McAdoo and go, you don't know what the hell you're doing, buddy. But like, Maybe put 22 back in the game plan. Just a, just the theory. And that's not to say, I go back to the first series of that last game, right? You got third and one to go. Third and you need a yard. They start on third and one by running a QB sneak with Baker Mayfield. Did not work. Got shoved back at the line. And then the very next play, you run Christian McCaffrey right up the gut. Explain to me, why that was your decision to go with two of the more undersized players in the league in McCaffrey and Mayfield when you've got Dante Foreman, a guy that you're paying good money to be the third down back and get that hard one, one and a half, two yard situation. Why is he still standing on the sideline getting one touch in a game it's just the 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 decision making, Lonzo. Whether it's from McAdoo or Rule or anybody else, is incomprehensible in certain situations, and that's the biggest problem to me. Oh, I completely agree, and it, it's very frustrating. So I get the frustration of 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 all the Panther fans out there online venting, uh, remembering how things used to be. I get all that when you see something like that, for, you know. Third and ones are not a gimme. Teams get third and ones all the time, and, and they don't get it. But at least they put the right personnel in to have a shot at it. And in this case, it wasn't. You know, I don't have a problem with McCaffrey running it on third down, but not on fourth. And why not throw a fullback in there? Just saying. I mean, Dante Martin, yeah. that, that's what he's there for. Like, he oh, literally has been brought in to play that role and, and and you're running you're running McCaffrey, a guy that you know has injury concerns, right into the butt of the center, right into the teeth of their defensive line. When you got a bowling ball standing on the sideline that you brought in for exactly that purpose, explain it to me. Explain it to me. Well, I think they were afraid if they brought him in that the defense would know what they were going to do. Well, they kind of did anyway. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It, it, it Listen, I understand. I get even the cliche of if you can't get one yard, you don't deserve to win, right? I get that cliche. That's an old football cliche for a reason. But if you tell me I need one yard to win, Christian McCaffrey's not getting the ball off center. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the wrong call. And it's obvious to me. And I think to everybody else that that's the wrong call. Everybody except for Ben McAdoo. 
It is the Views from Mint Street podcast, your home for Carolina football talk around the Carolinas, around the United States, around the world, ladies and gentlemen. Do us a favor, and if you're just stumbling across us, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Views from Mint Street podcast wherever you get your major podcasts, whether that is on Google Play, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or free on the Odyssey app. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Views from Mint Street podcast. And if you're enjoying the podcast, do us a favor. Share us around. Share us with your friends, your family, anybody you know that is a Carolina Panthers fan so that we can continue to grow this little project of passion of ours moving forward. Share the Views from Mint Street podcast with your fam, with your friends, with Panthers fans around the world, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's get into a couple of other things that I wanted to get into. Um, You know, Matt Rule has grabbed a microphone a lot the last couple of days, and and I understand why, right? Like, Matt Rule knows that he is no longer on a hot seat. He is now directly seated in the middle of the fire like like Daenerys Targaryen herself, surrounded by flame. And he has two options, which is A, emerge a dragon, or B, do not emerge at all. Uh, I am looking at the schedule coming up. We've got San Francisco at the house. Then we got to go out to Los Angeles to take on the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champions. And then we come back to the house. And we've got Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa looks like a beatable football team, right? They're they're, they're currently seated at two and two. They lost earlier in the season to the Green Bay Packers, right? Uh, They are a team that dropped one to, who else did they lose to? They lost to, uh, they lost Kansas. That's right. They lost to the Chiefs 41 31 this past Sunday. They're a beatable football team, though, but. The two teams that have defeated Tampa right now are one of the other favorites in the NFC and one of the favorites in the AFC. Yes, they are two and two, but the two teams they lost to are two teams that are odds on favorites to make it into the Super Bowl this year. Let's not pretend that Tampa has dropped games to teams that are on the lower end of the NFL's production spectrum. That being said, is there any way, Lonzo, and, and, and I'm going to ask you not to approach this with your power of positivity cap on, but as a realist like me, I know that irks you. Is there any chance that we are coming out of this stretch better than two and six? Yeah, I think out of the three games that you said uh, that you mentioned are coming up, two of those are winnable. Um, I think San Francisco is the strongest of the three. The Rams have showed that they have some weakness, that they're, the Rams are struggling. They really are. And they just went down to, uh, to San, San Francisco, Francisco. Uh, Monday night. So, And, you know, one advantage, if there is an advantage, playing against San Francisco is a short week for them. I mean, you know, that's not me trying to be positive. It's just how it is. It's a short week for San Francisco. But I think the Rams are beatable. You just pointed out uh, the problems that, that Tampa Bay are having the biggest of which is it seems that Tom Brady's minds does not in it. 
And plus, they keep having injuries and suspensions and all those kinds of things in Tampa Bay. Out of the three, the most important probably for the Panthers would be Tampa Bay. I think the hardest game of the three will be San Francisco because of the defense they have and because, uh, you know, that guy that everyone acted like was horrible. And now all of a sudden he's the greatest thing in the world. Jimmy Garoppolo is back in charge of San Francisco. That makes it a difficulty. But I think the Panthers' defense uh, is is up to the task. So it's going to come back to what it's been every single game. Can the offense get in sync? Can the offense move the ball? Can they sustain drives to keep the defense rested? And so, yeah, I do believe that you can come out of this three games with two wins. I really believe it's possible. But San Francisco worries me the most of the three. And and I guess that's going to be the other problem is because I agree San Francisco who didn't just beat the Rams but I mean beat with a capital B the Rams uh, on Monday night San Francisco right now looks like a, a a really good football team but I also think Tampa I, I think San Francisco is a really good football team and the Rams were really probably two blown plays away from that game being uber competitive down the stretch. I do not think the Rams by any means are a bad football team at this point. So that's back-to-back really tough contests. Heck, I would even argue that right now, Tampa Bay looks like the most beatable of those three football teams. That being said, the Tampa game is three weeks away. Now, uh, as, as a human being, I hate this for for the guy. As a football guy, I'm interested to see how it works out. There are, pardon the expression, dirt sheet reports going around right now that Tom Brady and Giselle have both hired divorce lawyers within the last day or two, right? We're recording this on Tuesday evening to drop on Wednesday. There are reports that Tom Brady and Giselle have both hired divorce lawyers. If that is the case... I got to imagine Tom's head ain't in football right now, right? And 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 I think so far through this two and two start because even though they were beat by Kansas City and Green Bay, two of the Super Bowl favorites in the National Football League, Green Bay beat them fourteen to twelve, right? Like all they needed was one more big play out of Tom Brady and they win that game. Kansas yeah, but like Kansas City bad. whooped them. Kansas City whooped them, and it could have been by a whole lot more than what it was. It, it could have been, but I would also argue that if you ask me who's the favorite to make the Super Bowl of the two teams we're talking about, Kansas City's a much heavier favorite to make it out of the NFC than Green Bay sans Devontae, right? Like, that's 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 the best of the three teams we're talking about. There is something going wrong with Tom Brady. And, you know, it's it's a it's a weird conversation to have because what I don't want it to sound like, Zoe, is that I'm like, hey, let's go take advantage of the guy who's having marital issues that are very clearly uh, bothering him very deeply, right? Like, I hate to say that because I, I I don't care whether you like the guy or not. I don't want anybody to have to go through what Tom Brady is apparently having to go through. That being said, if Brady ain't Brady in three weeks, I want to go smoke him and get that dub. I, I want to go get that win and keep us in contention. That being said, is there a possibility at coming out of this two and three? I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see San Francisco. I don't see LA. The shock win 
would be back home at the bank against Tampa Bay in three weeks if Brady indeed is going through some stuff and he's off his game. There's a part of me that thinks if this team starts one and six through the first seven and the only win is over a New Orleans Saints team that just can't get their lives together either, there's part of me that thinks that might be it for Matt Rule. And if you are indeed on the fire Matt Rule train right now, that might be your best bet, right? That might be your best bet at this point. It's kind of yanking me in different directions here, Lonzo, about kind of what I want to happen out of these next three games. All right. Some of these, some of the things you said have bothered me, which is not unusual. Uh, So (laughs) uh, first of all, there are a lot of people on that train. That doesn't bother. I know there's a lot of people that uh, that train a lot of is people that I bother routinely. Yes, you are. No, correct. no, I, I'm talking about the train that that wants Matt Rule <laughs> gone, and those people aren't thinking about you know, well, who takes his place? Ben McAdoo. Uh, no, thank you. Um, but I did. I disagree with you about the strength of the teams that Carolina is playing. I. Are they world beaters? The three teams coming up. Like I said, San Francisco is the strongest of the three. But they're not. They're not. So by 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 not seeing a possibility or a real possibility that that the Panthers can win two out of three against these guys means you you believe that they're that much talented and that much better. It's not like Carolina is going up against Kansas City or Buffalo or or one of the teams that or Philadelphia for that matter who's undefeated. I mean, they're going up against teams that uh what's san francisco's record are they two and two also i believe so i I believe san francisco is two and two so as far as that goes you're going up against a team that's got a record that's one win better than yours um and you could correct me if if you find the uh find no, the no 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 the uh, the 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 entire NFC West is two and two right now right so so there you go I mean it's if we were halfway through the season and there were so many more wins on the other side but there aren't nobody's tearing up this thing except for the three teams that I mentioned everybody else are appear to be average or above average or there actually is parity in the NFL and you can beat another team any given Sunday. However cliche it is, it is the truth. San Francisco is better than Carolina now, but not that much better. Not that much better. If you get good play and good play calling out of, out of the Panthers on the offensive side, they got a shot at this game. I am going to uh, respectfully disagree with you when you say not that much better. Can they you are. respect? Can you respectfully disagree? What's yeah? I'm doing it right now. Watch me. What's disrespectfully disagreeing? Does that require throwing of blows? Uh, no, dis- disrespectfully disagreeing is 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 going MJF on somebody. Respectfully okay. disagreeing is going. I see where you're coming from, and I respect your viewpoint, though I do disagree with it. Uh, disrespectfully disagreeing is you're an idiot. Shut your mouth and let me tell you why you're wrong. Uh, I'm not doing that one for the record. I'm doing. Yeah, I've worked with I've worked record. with guys like that before. So, oh, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure there are some people that have made entire broadcasting careers out of that. I am as nice of a guy as I am good looking. So I'm not going to do that. So are you going to beat on the desk and go fire, 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 like some national hosts are doing right now? I mean, they look really stupid doing it. Oh, trash, 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 trash. 
a whole career out of that, ladies and gentlemen. All right. He you brought up parody. Big bucks, though, doesn't he? Yay. Uh, why would you depress? I was already depressed enough, and now you're bringing me down further. All right. Uh, parody in the league is absolutely existent right now. Back in week three, 20.3 points per game, the lowest for a week three in the NFL since 2009. It was the fourth lowest in any week for the past five seasons. I just mentioned a second ago that the entire NFC West right now is sitting at two and two. In the AFC East, two, three, and one teams. In the AFC West, the Chiefs are three and one, two, two, and two teams. In the AFC North, three, two, and two teams and a one and three team. In the AFC South, two, two, and two teams and a one, two, and one team out there in the National Football Conference. You've got a four and O team in the NFC East, uh, NFC East. It is the only undefeated team remaining, the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Cowboys are three and one and the Giants are three and one. In the NFC West, everybody's two and two. In the NFC North, two three and one teams and a two and two team. And in the NFC South, two two and two teams and two one and three teams. Arguably the least parity in the league belongs in our division right now. So, yes, parity is very much up in the National Football League, which is why I don't think just looking at the records within divisions and within conferences is good enough to tell you where everybody is. I think if you go back, and, and, and if you have not listened to it, go back and listen to Monday's podcast and listen to the numbers in segment number two that I broke down about that game and about the Panthers offensively, the Panthers so far. The problem, though, is that if you just look at the record, you go, hey, we're a game back out of the division, right? Game back out of the division. And all that matters right now is winning our division because we're not getting a wild card. The only thing that would get us in now is find a way to stay ahead of to, to, to catch Tampa Bay and stay ahead of them and somehow all right, all right, all right. be a Cinderella division winner. But the numbers inside of the metrics in terms of on the field performance, we rank offensively almost or dead last in all of them right now. And that's where I'm coming up with a problem. All right. I get everything you're saying. The one thing that I disagree with you the most and everything you just said is when you said we're not getting a wild card. It's too early in the season to say that for sure. You put a couple more wins, you're right there with everybody else. You just talked about the parity. Now, the, the problem is, is uh, what was the NFC East with a 4-0 and a couple 3-1s. Yep. That's the problem. But there's yep. also an extra, extra wild card now, so you got a better shot to get in there. Yeah, but I mean, listen, you you also got two three and one teams out of the NFC North and the Vikings and the Panthers. The Vikings are surprisingly good, although they they did, let's call it what it is. They got lucky to escape the New Orleans Saints in London, but uh, your record is what you say you are. They're three and one, as are the Packers. The Bears are two and two. You got an entire NFC West that has a better record than us. That is to say, as by of one, right now, I won. As of right, it doesn't matter. They are and at the end of the year, they don't hand out a wild card and go, hey, you should have got one. So here it is because you were down by one. As of right now, there are two teams out of the NFC East that have a better record than us. Every team in the NFC West has a better record than us. There are three teams in the NFC North that have a better record than us, and two teams in the NFC South right now. We 
have a mountain ahead of us for a wild card spot. Our be- I genuinely believe our best bet is to hope that Tom Brady is going to cap his career this year with a disaster of a season, and we can get the offense clicking in the next two weeks and find a way to win what is right now the worst division in football in the NFC South. That's our best bet if you want to make the playoffs, understanding that it gives Matt Rule probably three to four more years on the job. By the way, I hope you're right. I hope the Panthers win the division. Even if they win the division with the losing record, I hope they win the division. Uh, wouldn't you rather win the division than, than going in as a wild card anyway? Yeah, of course I would. Of course I would. Uh, which is good because that's the only way it's happening. <laughs> we are in agreement. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the Views from Mint Street podcast, your home for Carolina Panther football around the world. Rob Brown and the great one, Lonzo Reitzel, with you putting a bow on this midweek edition as we now turn the gaze like Saruman towards the ring ahead to Sunday when the San Francisco 49ers come to town. And obviously, if you don't get how the schedule works yet, well, Welcome. On Fridays, we drop our preview pod. That is the pod where we look ahead to the team that we score off this weekend. Now we'll start to work some of that stuff in on the Wednesday pod. But this is the one where we talk about press conferences and injuries and transactions and all of that. And I want to get into some of that here. I do want to start with uh, I do want to start with this take, Lonzo. Uh, Matt rule has been on a mic quite a bit. I tried to get to this earlier. And then, uh, as I very frequently do, uh, I derail myself. It happens to the best of us. Uh, Matt rule grabbed a mic and was asked about the team's mentality coming off of an L to Arizona, a very winnable game and a fall to a one and three record. Matt rule said, and I quote, our team will respond. Well, we always do. Our team will respond well. We always do. And it's a nice thought, right? Like, it's ah, happy, warm fuzzies. I get that. I like that. Carolina is 5-20 and 20 coming off of a loss during the Matt Rule era. 5-20 and 20 coming off of an L. Lonzo, they respond well. What is that? 15% of the time? 20? I, I'm bad at math. It's not a majority of the time, Matt. It's not. All right, so I'm going to answer your question with a question because everyone loves when that happens. So if someone were to, let's say, call into our radio show and ask you, Rob Brown, so how do you feel about your job? Are you on the hot seat? Hey, Rob, have you talked to the program director about uh, if your job is safe? Hey, Rob, uh, you know, I heard that uh, that 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 people think that you're about to lose your job. So this is what Matt rule is dealing with. Uh, probably, I don't know. I, I'm maybe exaggerating here. It seemed like 10 to 15 questions about whether you're losing your job. Uh, Matt rule. Have you talked to, to Tepper? Do you talk about your job when you talk to him, all this kind of stuff. And then that question that you just asked was like thrown in there in the midst of, 
are you getting fired? Are you getting fired? Are you getting fired? Are you getting fired? How would you respond if you had to deal with all that and then you get asked a question out of the blue that wasn't, are you getting fired? Look, I get it. Would you would you be that positive? Uh, Matt Rule, like every other NFL coach, and I think like anybody else, who has to face the media as a part of their job, right? Uh, I think there is a time for being publicly in terms of PR being publicly positive on the outward. When you turn it back on them, when you turn it back and say, Hey, Leslie, if, uh, if your editor were, I mean, if someone were to ask you, Hey, that was a poor article. Those questions you asked were really bad. Uh, have you talked to your editor about whether you're going to keep your job or not? I mean, would, would that make you mad? Or would you be no, like, would you, would you applaud? I would start with this. And considering what we're going to talk about next with Baker's answer, the last thing you do if you're in a position where your job performance sucks is to become adversarial, right? The last thing you do is become a jerk in that situation. And while all you're doing is the same she, the same thing she did, her job, in this case, the, the, the person asking the question, that person's job is to ask you questions. That person's job is to ask you questions. And she's done that. You don't have to love the questions, but she's done her job. Your job is to win football games. And you're doing a bad job at your job, right? It, the, 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 the metaphor there flipped around to our conversation would be, though, if I went on the air and I said some cuss words and you had to dump me two or three times a show and I showed up and I opened the mic and I was like, ah, I didn't really do any prep today. Well, you, you guys just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Or if I came on the air and... Uh, I, all I did was just bash the NFL and talk about how bad of a product it is, et cetera, et cetera. Then it would be fair to go, wait a minute, dude. Like, do you feel you are doing a good job at your job? And the answer, if we're being honest with each other, would be, no, I'm doing a really bad job. So it's fair to ask me about my job because I am in a public job where my job is invested in by millions and millions of other people. And then that becomes fair. Uh, the person asking the question is very is very is very much in their rights to ask it, right? But what is the mentality of your football team at one and three coming off of a loss that probably shouldn't have been a loss? It's a very fair question. And yes, I would want a real answer from the guy who's in the locker room with the football team. Not, so, you know, we respond well, dude, you're five and 20. No, you don't. So you, so what you're saying is that wasn't an honest answer. So how should, how should he have answered? Well, you know, I talked to, I talked to Baker and I said, man, you're horrible. What are you doing? Do you still want a job? I'd bench you right now. If Sam Darnold is here. Is that what you want to hear? Do you want to hear? Hey, uh, McAdoo. What you doing, man? I brought you here. You got yes, fired as yes, a as yes, a I as do. a head coach. What that. are you doing here? You, why are you even here? I, I mean, all these you want someone to be completely honest. What if in his mind that is him being honest, and he really believes they have bounced back every game. They haven't won every game, but they bounced back. They could they could easily have given up already, and they have not. The first couple of games we talked about over and over again, really close. Third game they won. Fourth game was close going into the third quarter. So it isn't like they've got blown out and and beat off the field. 
they've been in every game. So they're going to come back and they're going to try really hard and maybe they'll win. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know what you want him to say. What I want him to say is I want him to stop with the false positivity. Like, Hey, everything's fine. It's not my dude, right? Like, imagine this, imagine that there's a natural disaster that happened in a state and the governor of that state showed up and they were like, okay, governor, this is the problem. You got X many people without power. You got X many people that are homeless. You got X many people who have been evacuated and don't know how they're going to get back. Talk to me a little bit about how your state is going to rebound from this. And the governor went, well, you know, the people of this state are resilient and I I think we're going to be just fine. I think we're going to be okay. You'd be like, whoa, no, that's not good enough. Things are very, very bad right now. And I want to know what you're doing to fix it. What are you doing to create solutions here? And all I'm getting from Matt Rule is him standing in waist-deep metaphorical floodwaters trying to tell me everything's going to be fine. It clearly isn't, my dude. We can see the dumpster burning from here. What are you doing to fix it? Because, you know, I I think we're going to rebound from this. I think we're going to be fine. Ain't good enough for me anymore if you want me to keep investing my time and my money in the product and therefore you. And a two-thirds full stadium this past Sunday is proof that I'm not alone in that. All right, so one of my favorite things, having been in radio for 25 years, is when someone asks the host, hey, you're telling me all these problems. How do we fix it? So, Rob, again, what do you want him to say? Can you hear me cracking my knuckles in preparation of the answer here? I, 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 I can. I can hear it. I don't know if it's going to, you know, maybe I'll just pump that up in the mix. If... <laughs> Uh, if I went into a restaurant, uh, like a really nice restaurant and I ordered, uh, I don't know, let's say, let's, uh, let's just make it simple for the sake of a metaphor. Say I went to a really nice restaurant and I ordered a steak and I ordered that steak medium rare because anything over medium rare is burnt, ladies and gentlemen. And I ordered some mashed potatoes to the side uh, with 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 uh with a with a brown peppercorn gravy and some asparagus, yeah, that's my Sounds order. That's expensive. Order. Sounds really it expensive. Is. It is. That's that's why I only eat in the finest of establishments. If I ordered that, and they came out, and they brought me a steak that was well done, and they brought me some Stouffer stovetop potatoes, and they brought me a a heap of of kale. I would go, this is bad. This is wrong, right? And it would be obviously wrong. It would be obviously a problem. You know what I don't need to do in order to complain about it? I don't need to go in the back and show that I'm capable of cooking my own dinner. I don't need to go in the back and tell the chef, well, the steak was medium rare, and in order to accomplish medium rare, what you should do is sear this steak, melt some butter, and continue to baste it in it. I don't need to tell the cook. I don't need to provide solutions in order to say, this is wrong, this is bad, and I want it fixed. I'm not the chef. I'm not the head football coach of the Carolina Panthers, Lonzo. If I had the solutions to fix the problem, 
then I'd call David Tepper right now and go, hey man, hire me because I got the solutions. It ain't my job to provide the solutions. I don't need to teach you how to grill the steak to know that the steak you just put in front of me is bad and wrong and I want it fixed. All right, so here's the answer you want. Yeah, uh, well, uh, we we uh, we weren't able to get the job done. Uh, we're moving on to San Francisco. No, that would actually tick me off more. Wait, wait, should, I move my sleeve, should, I, should I move my sleeves up when I do that so they <laughs> look like they're cut off? Yeah, yeah. Um, appreciate your question. We're moving on to San Francisco. I'm, bu- I'm buying you a smock. You need a smock. That's what you need, a smock. How you know I don't have a smock? Maybe that's I, what I wear at home. I've known you like two years. I've never seen you in a smock before. All right. That, ladies and gentlemen, is where we were. Actually, no, it's not. No, it's not. I wanted to get this in, and I will get it in, even if it's in short firm. Baker Mayfield, after the loss to Arizona, uh, was asked about the fans in the bank booing him towards the end of the game. And Baker's response was, short and sweet, I don't care if the fans are booing me. And a lot of people are all up in Baker's grill about that. How dare you do that? How dare you? I'm supposed to care about what I think. Boo! Hiss! For a guy who had shoulder surgery in January, who was brought to this team two weeks before training camp, who was asked to split reps through training camp, for a guy who was asked to split reps during preseason, And for a guy who's been in the league five years, has had five different coordinators, and is on playbook number five, it ain't on Baker. It's partially on Baker because his efficiency rating is in the absolute crapper right now, and there are some things he needs to fix. But, Lonzo, I want a quarterback who's not going to let the outside influences get in between his ears and impact him. I need a quarterback who's focused on his game and – He's not the PR. Matt Rule is his own PR. Matt Rule is the spokesperson for his job. Baker's not the spokesperson for the offense. I want. I didn't take this as offensive from Baker Mayfield. I'm much more bothered by the comments of Matt Rule than I am the comments of Baker Mayfield. All right. I'm not bothered by either, but I'm definitely not bothered by Baker Mayfield because you're right. If he says, yeah, I hear the booze and I understand and they buy their tickets, and which is what the coach said. You know, they buy their tickets, they have the right to boo. But if you're a quarterback and you're hearing all that and you're paying attention to all that, then maybe that's a reason why you're not completing your passes. So, uh, I mean, we've been on fields. I'm sure you've been on a field or on a court or something and heard booing uh, and just ignored it. Because when you're in the midst of a play, if you're paying attention to that stuff, then you're never going to get any better. So I, I don't believe that he hears the boos or cares about the boos. Because though he knows, just like we all know, if he completes more passes, if they win more games, those boos go away. That is a fact. That is a fact. All right, that is where we'll leave it. Ladies and gentlemen, for the midweek edition of the Views from Industry podcast, remember you can find us and subscribe to this pod wherever major podcasts are found, be it on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, iTunes, or free on the Odyssey app. We do ask you, if you got social media and you've enjoyed the episode, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it on your social, and invite your other cat's friends to jump on to the Views from Mid Street podcast. Lonzo, final words for the people. 
uh, next podcast. We're uh, moving on to San Francisco and uh, keep pounding. Uh, I don't care that people are booing this podcast. I'm just going to come out here and give you the best product I can give you. That's it for us, kids. Remember, the preview pod for the San Francisco game will drop on Friday. We will see you then. For Lonzo Wright, so my name is Rob Brown. You're listening to the Views from Mint Street Podcast. Keep pounding, baby!